Mindset Athlete Podcast, and I'm your host, James Roberts. I'm a two-time Paralympian and owner of James Robert Fitness, which is an online training, nutrition, and mindset coaching business. First of all, I'd like to thank Lauren Williams for suggesting this quote to the show. An athlete is a mindset. It's how you prepare, think, and execute. Not because of some elite status or physical stature. Anybody can be an athlete. By Chris Hoth. And each week on The Mindset Athlete, we like to bring you inspirational athletes, a message, or experts talking about human optimization to teach you how to change your perception of your mindset and become 1% better. And on today's show, I've got Janelle Stokes. Janelle is a world-class athlete, wellness advocate, and veteran NBA player. Janelle was ranked number three coming out of high school, drafted 35th overall, is a two-time gold medalist, and has played professionally since 2014, dedicating his life off the court to educating and inspiring all to question all the assumptions and to turn the tables on mental health and wellness. Janelle sees his community as extended members of his team. So welcome on to the show, Janelle. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, the pleasure is absolutely all mine. So we start right at the beginning. Yeah. Talk to us of your journey as being obviously ranked number three in, in the country. Yeah, well, you just brought up some old memories because um, – that was so long ago. I was um, like in the 10th grade, but the biggest journey about that was right before I was a bench rider, you know, all my life. It was, what is you know, this guy, big feet, no swag, big Afro, you know, not the most talkative person. And he's a bit shy, afraid to shoot. And, um, you know, it was very, very hard for me. I had a dad who just thought the world of me for some reason. He thought that, you know, I will be an NBA player. He thought that everyone else was wrong. So he pushed me to the limit. I'm talking 5 a.m. runs and, you know, um, taking 10 cents from your $2 weekly allowance because you missed a layup or something. Or, you know, um, you know, it even goes as far as, you know, he's from the military. So even goes as far as, you know, even getting physical if you let someone on the court punk you in a way. You know, I'm from the South. I'm from Memphis. And that's just how we live. That's the way of life. So uh, you can imagine how my friends were, too. You know, it was a check session. It was, you know, I cried some nights, just let's be honest. So it was almost like that kid in the vet room who has everything against him. And those it's like those movies. Have you seen uh, Angels in the Outfield? Yes, I have. I have. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I, I love those movies when a kid just wishes. You know, the kid that's not supposed to have anything in the world wishes for it to come true, and it actually does. That's what being ranked number three in high school felt like, you know. So it went from, you know, Jarnell doesn't have any friends, which I was quick to fight, though. Let's, let's be honest. I wasn't, you know, just a punk. I still had that, you know, raw in me that my dad kind of instilled from the military. It was, you know, I just didn't talk. I was a swinger first. <laughs> just being honest, I, I would, you know, definitely, um, I was, I'm not proud of my upbringing, but it taught me a lot just in the world as far as, you know, no one is going to give you a dime. 
no one's going to give you an inch. It's all about um, you putting in the work and, you know, for the first time in my life, you know, I was able to, you know, start on a team, let alone be ranked 10 in the number, you know, number three in the country. So you can imagine what life was like for me going back to school, you know, all of a sudden these girls flocking over me, the same guy, the same Afro, the same big feet, no swag. <laughs> and now I got girls, you know, flocking every second. You know, it's, it's difficult. And so I, I feel for other kids in my situation, just going back to, um, you know, your intro, I, I truly believe that if, you know, we had more mentors who would talk about their past and, you know, keep it real as possible. Like um, high school, you know, even though I was ranked number three, I, you know, felt like a lot of bad things that set me up for the future occurred during that time. You know, seriously, like I'm 26 now talking about when I was like 13, 14 years old and how it's literally the reason where I am, where I am to this day. You know, I had trainers, girls, friends, chefs, agents, coaches, all trying to get something from me. And that's just the beginning. Hey, you coaches, you know, uh, we can go on and on. You know, restaurant owners want their piece of the pie. And um, I was just 13 years old. Like, how do you expect a 13-year-old to make grown man decisions? And now some of these people I learned later, like, 18, 19, 20, and to this day, uh, you know, a lot of those people didn't have my best interests, and you don't see till later how it played out. So, you know, I just, I give my heart into this, my heart and soul, and, you know, in this interview, you will see that, you know, I'm definitely as real as it comes. You know, that's why I started Keep It Real with my uh, co-host, Dr. Denise, your friend. Um, She's, you know, been a huge blessing in my life as far as uh, you know, explaining the words neurostyle and, and how uh, we tend to judge doctors in the South. Well, you know, she's a rock star doctor. <laughs> you know, she relates to athletes. You know, it, it's it's becoming a lost art for people to um, be in high places and still relate to the people. And I commend Denise and, you know, I try to fight that battle with her. And I appreciate your honesty, John. I would obviously been becoming vulnerable and, and transparent with your, your obviously becoming from the shadows into, you know, the, the spotlight. But if we fast forward to your collegiate days, and I don't know if you've seen the HBO uh, documentary, The Scheme, looking at oh, uh, bribery in uh, collegiate, collegiate basketball, I, 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 I'd I definitely watch that because that was very eye-opening. Is that uh, on Netflix? Uh, it was over here on our, our Sky, Sky Television. It was it's an HBO documentary, so whether or not it's, that, it, uh, it's whether or not it's on their network or or Netflix, I don't know. Okay, cool. But yeah, it, it gave it a, gave a good perspective as especially what you were talking about by people pulling left, right, and center, and obviously getting money involved mm-hmm. at a younger and younger age. Mm-hmm. But why, for, for you being obviously born in Tennessee, mm-hmm. why did you pick the University of Tennessee over, over, over Memphis? Because ultimately that's a good program as well for basketball. Yeah, and it was also Kentucky with Coach Calipari, Billy Donovan at Florida, 
Bill Calhoun at uh, UConn. All of these are Hall of Fame coaches. You know, you just you, you can't get them to even pick up the phone unless you're a top ten player. You know, unless you're an NBA player. So, I uh, I took that to heart, and uh, I always you know just wanted to be in a position where I could help those who um, I grew up with. You know, to be honest, it may just be that southerner vibe that's in me that was a bit afraid to leave the house. So I, I did have Memphis in my backyard. And, you know, they did have some chemistry issues. I, people around Memphis, dude, why would I go team up with the people who were checking me before I got to high school? You know, some of those players who were in college were some of my teammates in high school. And they, I felt a little bit of jealousy. You know, I did also feel like, you know, high school, college the whole atmosphere is just freaking uh jealous ridden because you know no one has anything <laughs> you know everyone has potential and if you know you have mostly people around each other who were alpha males alpha women in their other environment bringing them together with no real resources and money will definitely lead to a bunch of confusion so um I could kind of see that and, and I heard a bunch of the rumors at Memphis so I felt like Tennessee more than anything um was going to give me a life off after basketball like I always had this dream of just running for governor you know I always wanted to do that I just it's something that's still in my, my bucket list even though I'm you know still trying to finish up the degree process <laughs> Uh, you know, I prefer to spend my time doing business and, and picking up acting skills as opposed to sitting at a laptop and, and working on a degree. So uh, that process has been a bit slowed down. So, um, yeah, but in all, Tennessee was more the choice because they were an organization when I was younger. Uh, I don't know if you watched Candace Parker and, you know, um, yeah, the Lady Vols and the football team with Peyton Manning, they were the show, you know. So when I was coming up, they had pretty much lost that element that I knew growing up. And it was like my freaking dream to just come back and revitalize, in which we did. You know, when I first got there, we had pretty iffy years. But my third year there, we got back to the tournament and then the next two, three years ever since we've been, you know, number one, number two in the nation. And I, I wasn't there those next few years, but I'm proud to say that those who were there were watching me when I was there. And, you know, that's just me being able to continue the Tennessee legacy, being that I grew up a fan. And, you know, I I didn't say anything about what was going on at the organization that time. It just shows you how important uh, branding is to – kids you know it's stuck in my head this long for me to even go to school there over you know coach Calipari who's you know gotten so many players in the NBA you know I, I don't know it's just nostalgia is you know surreal. <laughs> Do you think it's difficult for you know high school players to you know pick for what you, the reasons that you 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 forementioned you know mm-hmm. history uh, thought things that you were brought up up on uh, being a fan of of that institution to mm-hmm. ultimately go 
well, my family, to give you some perspective, my, my dad's father's side of the family is from Kentucky. So I've got, I've got a hoodie on as we're recording it. But how does a high school kid do like you have done to pick over, well, that, that coach Carapaz is going to get me to the NBA. How, how does a, a kid of 17, 18 years old make some of those harsh decisions? Very, very hard decision. And I think I did not make the decision the right way. Not to say I went the wrong way at all. I love my Rocky Top College, the balls, but I didn't think of it as a business like everyone else around me was. All these coaches had a hundred other players in their back pocket. <laughs> you know, why was I so attached to what this coach was saying? You know, all these schools also have a system to where, you know, they have to sell tickets and it doesn't involve you getting a percentage of those tickets. Why was I so attached to a logo or, you know, um, you know, a coach or any type of situation that's not business? Um, that goes to show, you know, I, I definitely have an empathetic way towards uh, life that doesn't always mesh with the world. And, um, you know, that was strictly going to Tennessee was strictly a, an emotional decision. It was not what, you know, no one else would have said, do that. <laughs> you know, I, I went there, um, for the education, for, you know, helping people. And, um, if I could take it back, I would still go there, but I would make sure that it was all about business and not, um, you know, making an institution proud. Because let's be honest, James. I mean, you're a pretty smart guy yourself. We could start an institution now and dish out degrees. You know, it's nothing to base your whole life around, you know? Well, and give some perspective. I was reading on LinkedIn, I think, last week. Google's doing just that. Mm. <laughs> Are you serious? Gonna, smart. Seriously. It, 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 I think they were focusing on uh, IT, the stuff that you could do remotely anyway. Yeah. Well, they've seen a gap. Well, let's take on institutions head on. They probably mm. will win. Yeah. yeah. They they got the algorithm that, you know, the AI data, uh, a lot of college institutions right now are you know, struggling. They, if they're going to stick to this online class system, which I think is the right way to do it right now. Um, just, People in general are learning that they're paying way more than what they're receiving uh, nine times out of 10, unless you're going to like an Ivy League college or somewhere where you just, if you make it out, they have a job for you here. <laughs> you know, that in a lot of colleges, that is not the situation at all. So people usually go for the experience, for the friends, for the networking. Well, coronavirus kind of took all that stuff away, you know? So now it's all about this piece of paper. And what does that mean? What does that hold in your life? I don't know if that's worth, you know, more than what Google will offer, you know, for a few skills. So uh, just as a business owner, I talk to other business owners. I do see where they are um, looking for those self-made, um, you know, those who, who uh, you know, maybe didn't go to the highest college, but they made something happen, you know, or, you know, they're not even looking at the college, you know, it's definitely a dying business. I say, and, you know, I wish I would have treated it as if it was just a business <laughs> in short. 
And do you think from that, this is obviously your opinion now, John L. Do you think that's why the NFL goes to Division Two schools or things like that to, to find the, the dime among the, among the rough? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I've been around a bunch of football players and um, a lot of football players do have um, a bit of uh, a situation where they don't, understand how to calm down from their environment, I would say. Um, so I have, I've made friends with a lot of players and uh, in short, they're all usually good people, you know, rather, you know, it's anything dealing with the concussion or the environment, you know, it's hard for me to go from 1000% to, you know, just daily living. So a lot of these guys have just not to say they, you know, they are in bad situations, but they have gotten themselves in some type of situation where, um, you know, the best talent sometimes is in D2 due to, you know, the rules to classify for a D1 college. Seriously, it's, it's that simple. And a lot of prep school kids figure it out late. So, um, you know, I'm, you know, I hope that answered your question. <laughs> no, it definitely did. Do you think that's maybe where the NBA misses a trick a little bit? I know they've started to obviously recruit heavily in Europe and, yeah. and pulling the kids that, okay, Luka Doncic is a massive one. I, I knew he would probably be accessible because I'm in Europe. So I saw him at Real Madrid, uh, be, be it all on the TV. You could kind of see yeah. 16, 17, that guy, he's, 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 he's going to be... I would say he's going to be a good he's become... But I thought he he wouldn't be a bust when he when he get went into the draft. Yeah, like you know, for sure. You you're making a fool out of grown man. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna struggle over there. Yeah, sixteen. You say he started at sixteen. He was playing pro. It within their European team, yeah. Because within how they have their, if we use Real Madrid or Barcelona, it's virtually like academy system. From I think he was recruited there at like 11 or 12. So he's been in their whole system and seen yeah, players that true. are in the Spanish national team. Mm. So it's, okay. it's, it's, I think it maybe gives a, a one up on maybe a high school kid in the United States because they, they, they're getting paid already. Yeah, exactly. Why, why don't maybe the, the Americans do it the other way around? Let's come to Europe and be paid sooner. And then it's a choice whether or not you go to the collegiate, collegiate sport or do you bypass that completely? Because they're thinking like a business. <laughs> to be honest, if, if we're being 1,000% clear, I was literally going to answer your question like that. You know, I feel like we need more. Um, like my kid, for instance, you know, once he gets 13, 14, yeah, he'll play AAU. If he wants to play basketball, let's make that clear first. But if he does, then for sure – I'm not I'm not sure if he'll be in high school. I'm not sure if, you know, I'll, you know, accept just the institutional side of high school as well as, you know, some of the rules that come with um, you having to go to college and, you know, spend that year out. Like, for instance, I was when I came out of uh, high school, um, my first year of college, I was ranked. What you call it? Um I, I could have been the first pick. I was, it was an automatic, like, $3 million a year type of deal if I would have came out then. But then the NCAA hit me with a rule that said, um, you know, you have to be out of college for more than a year, 
well, the draft was starting and it would have only been like nine months, you know? So I would have, you know, had to do those three years just doing nothing. So I decided to come back and, you know, I ended up being a second round pick, but to make a, a long story short, that is something we should totally jump on. I'm hearing a lot of players are um, considering the G League. So, you know, once that works out and, and hopefully it does work out, then, you know, maybe, you know, we could you know go back to, you know, doing it the European way. But I'm sure Luca was making a ton of money, right? In the G League, they're talking about like 100000 a year. And, you know, even in, in that, it's freaking treacherous. You know, it's not like I'm sure what they were doing at Real Madrid. <laughs> it's a whole different world. And 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 can can you uh do you remember how much they were making at Real Madrid? Because in the G League, I think it's like a hundred thousand. They probably need to up that before. You know, I don't know. It's probably something I can find out. Um, okay. but but obviously with I think it's with him. I think it's the 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 emotional attachment to it, the organization as well, because it's got well other than Barcelona, those are the two big teams in Spanish sport, other than basketball, but basketball predominantly. Uh, and they've got a pedigree uh, within um, what else is it called now? Um, oh, I can't think of the name of it, but obviously the top pinnacle of European basketball. They've now put it into a league formation with the best teams within Europe. Mm-hmm. I mean, and okay. he played that last, so they've got a history of winning that, mm-hmm. being in contention okay. year in year out. So. Okay. Ultimately, mm-hmm. I, 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 well, most players will use the European leagues as a stepping stone to, mm-hmm. to get into the NBA. Because mm-hmm. Ingus is another one. Oh, but other than other than he was booed when he was. Oh yeah, <laughs> but he he's, he wasn't a bust. Uh, I think they interviewed one of the one of the people that was booing in the Barclays Center when he got picked. The kid had his jersey. It's like, well, how can you go from one extreme to the other? You, you hate him before he's, you've ever seen him play to your, I won't say his biggest fan, but one of his And he'd probably be uh, very uh, upset that he was traded to the Mavs. But sport, sport is a business. Uh, you, you don't have a long career as players. You probably have a little bit more autonomy than yesteryear yeah. uh, if you talk about you know the likes of well, Michael Jordan probably the exception he'd probably be able, if he wanted to move he'd probably be able to move but maybe somebody lower down mm-hmm. you'd probably have to if you were going to get booted from an organization you've done something wrong yeah for sure for sure most definitely and, and you know I remember when that happened um, that's that just goes to say man those darn New Yorkers <laughs> seriously they they always you know, end up having to swallow their own words. So <laughs> just another day. You know, that, that reminds me of when um what's his name? LeBron. All his jerseys got burned up when he went to Miami. That <laughs> was crazy, right? And then he left Miami and, you know, went back to Cleveland and they bought his jersey again. <laughs> then they burned it again once he left and went to LA. It's that's just sports. You know, that's the world that, you know, we signed up for. And that that just that's also a big, big reason why I took this journey that I have taken. You know, just as an athlete, I used to think the world is like I was it was hard for me to be around fans after we lost or I had a bad guy, I got my shot blocked. 
or it was hard for me to go home and, you know, hug my girlfriend or, you know, do work or sleep for that general. You know, it was seriously um, very, very, um, I would say, mind blowing to just experience any type of failure. And it was embarrassing. And I learned that a lot of the fans, as far as in sports, basketball, I wasn't, I was in a position where I couldn't really um, help. It was more of a situation where um, I I learned that I was just an entertainer and that just freaking shattered me. <laughs> you know, uh, it shattered all my dreams, all those reasons. I was like, why am I staying up, killing myself, stressing out all day over, you know, fans that only want me to entertain them? So I started a business and um, I started to seek a new audience, you know, people who um, would want help because I realized there's a lot of struggle going on, a lot of evil people in high high places. And um, I wanted to be a part of the good side in that war. And uh, I felt like, you know, I had been used all my life. Not to say I'm done playing basketball. You know, I love this game. But I'm not as attached to the fans as I used to be. Uh, But, you know, there are those fans who um, definitely, you know, like me for who I am, the authentic side of me. And and they are seeking, you know, health and wellness and spirituality and, you know, um, macro, microeconomics, you know, things that interest me. Um, those fans I, I give the world to, and that's why I do things like today, you know, because I feel like a lot of fans today and just people in general are looking up to celebrities and, you know, captains and, and you know, these people that are put in front of the TV screen as if that's the way to do it. And they have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. So I've had that blessing to not only, um, you know, taste what's behind the scene. I was a part of what's behind the scenes. And uh, now I I live my life to make sure that, you know, I I stay in, you know, in light and and share, um, you know, goodness. You know, what's to come is what I feel um, inevitable, which is, um, you know, I, I feel as if, you know, there will be, a judgment day. That's, you know, my deep, deep belief. I don't share this a lot, but, you know, once I um, got hurt, I was playing with the Denver Nuggets. I don't know if you watch uh, the Lakers, but JaVale McGee, um, he was with the Golden State Warriors at this time. Uh, backing him down, he stepped on my freaking foot. And, um, you know, I was at the top of my career at this time. And, you know, I broke my foot. It was my, uh, literally my, you know, claim to fame was like with the Nuggets. I was like on top of my game. And, you know, I had to be in a situation where they let me go the next day. They said, you know, we love you, man. We love you so much. We wish this didn't happen, but um, we got to let you go. So I went through a self-identity crisis. And, and through these crises, you find out who you really are. And, you know, I was able to really, really um, – you know, at first I didn't just, you know, jump and, you know, I, I started drinking, you know, not to say that, you know, I went from, 
you know, going to a gym every day to, you know, meditating. But how did I get there? Drinking, you know, it was women, you know, it was a lot of failures in the middle, trying to get friends to understand my perspective. You know, I see something going on in the world, church, sex trafficking. I called this out three, four, five years ago. And, you know, nobody wanted to hear me. So I went to my point earlier. I sought out a different audience. And now I'm surrounded by people who value my opinion, value my words, and, and value me for more than just an athlete. They aren't, you know, picking up the phone saying, Jarnell, entertain me. If I have a f- philosophical viewpoint or if, you know, I want to share a truth or, you know, if I'm speaking business, I have those people who I can call spirituality questions. You know, I just was able to revitalize my circle. And through all of that suffering, you know, I lost the one thing that I felt like that I was attached to. I felt like if I lose this, I may put a freaking bullet through my head, James. Seriously, man. Like, I I never thought I'd be happy outside the league, but now I'm happier than I've ever been in my freaking life, man. And, you know, you just have to see it to believe it because back then I was pretty stressed out. (laughs) So let's fast forward to the future, not to the future, but to the present now, John L. Mm -hmm. And I read a a great article by, uh, well, one of the only British players to play in the NBA by uh, John Amici. And he Mm -hmm. was talking about, obviously, the NBA using its influence. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to get your take on, obviously, with you being in the United States, why do you think it's taken the leagues themselves, not just the NBA, but the MLB and Mm -hmm. the NFL to take a stance and say, enough's enough. Mm -hmm. We're not going to entertain. Do you do something about obviously the, the injustice that's going on. Why do you think sport has kind of said, well, you're not listening to our opinion. We're going to hurt you where it, where it hurts most. We're not going to entertain. Why do you think it's taken to go to that extreme? And, and ultimately they only didn't play for a few, a few days, but why mm-hmm. do you think it kind of sent it's enough's enough? Well, we have to uh, – how deep do you want me to go with this question, James? <laughs> as deep as you want to go. All right, cool, cool. So, I mean, we have to go back to how sports was started. I mean, we talk about the Romans, and, you know, that's the last history of, you know, their favorite sport, which is gladiator. Why on earth did these men sign up to be gladiators? Why were there fans in the stands? Why was this whole thing arranged by the government anyway? And it's always been to keep the people from truths. If I'm being 100% honest, politicians, I can't say everything I want to say here, but a blind entertainment and a celebrity that, you know, provides this athleticism and, um, sort of like a reality TV show nowadays where you can follow them on social media and stuff. It's, it's almost as if um, that type of entertainment just takes you away from what's really important. And I only say this to say that, um, you know, you have to really go back to, you know, Alexander the Great. You know, I could really be a historian. Caesar, Julius Caesar used these tactics. You know, they, um, they allowed the Romans to, um, have these gladiator games 
to where, you know, the gladiators, the best gladiators were taken care of. They were the most paid. They were celebrities in their cities. You know, it was, um, even though it was a fight to death scenario, we've kind of lightened up, but the psychology, the ideology is still there. It's only gotten bigger now, I, I believe, to where, um, you know, now people don't care as much about truth. You know, um, politicians have, not politicians, but there has been people in high places. Let's just put it like that. I wouldn't say politicians, but um, people in high places definitely who aren't um, doing good. They feel as if, you know, sports is a way to keep the masses asleep. The only way an empire or a bad person could get overthrown is if the people raise awareness. That's the name of the game. That's the game I'm in. I want to raise the awareness of the people to even out the plate. <laughs> you know, I want good. And, you know, there are a lot of good people, who, um, you know, follow sports and still carry their spiritual beliefs. And, you know, they, I, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, you can't do both. I'm just giving you a history lesson of why it was started and to be extremely careful. And this is coming from an athlete, a guy who freaking would have killed himself not to be in front of that TV screen for others to see him, you know, throwing the ball through the hoop. So um, it's just, it's eye opening to see that, you know, what I always wanted wasn't what I needed. <laughs> and, you know, I just feel revitalized. I feel like a new person again, you know, through these truths. You know, imagine the first time me, you knowing me now that I would put a freaking bullet in my head if I didn't make it in the NBA. And now hearing that this was just a tactic to keep the people from becoming aware and finding and, you know, growing together. You know, these are psychological is not physical anymore and um i hope that answers the question to where you know you understand that you know modern day society is a lot like rome back in the day so you know history really helped me uh come to this understanding and it's it's not like i stopped working out and playing ball you know i've uh, invested so much into it i love the game but i'm not attached to um the, you know, I like the art. Let's just put it like that. I, I'm not attached to the political, the business side. I am all about the art of how to drive uh, past someone and, and, you know, score. It sounds so simple, but it's uh, com com competition and togetherness and uh, camaraderie and, you know, being uh, in a position where I can also help my brand and my cause as well. So I'm still fighting and I truly believe I'll be back in the NBA, you know, as long as they don't hear this interview. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's one of those things because ultimately, well, it's probably the people that are in the NBA that have done far worse things than you have done. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Even, even some of who've left the bubble have done things that they probably shouldn't have done. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately you make your, your, the choices and you have to live, you have to live by them. Um, and, and I think retrospectively, I think sport needs to look at himself in the mirror at times and think, well, we need to 
evolve as well because what was once thought as acceptable, and I'm talking about bullying within within sport and uh, bullying players, society doesn't like that. It's like, no, we don't. We, you need to shape up and change because we're coming for you. Um, I've thought- yeah, I, I remember... I had like an uh, uh, an email. I sent an email to LeBron, to Carmelo, to Kyrie like a month ago when all this stuff was breaking out. This was before they went to the bubble. And um, I pretty much, you know, put together a pitch for them to start a new NBA, a new league, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I, it's just it's, – it's time. You know, I wouldn't say it's time for an entire new league. But it is time for us to clean up a few things. Like I would say a lot of owners in the NBA haven't really um, changed in ideology. I mean, it's just silence speaks for itself. If you see a bunch of people dying and, and you're silent, you know, not to say you're for that, but uh, if you're in a position where you can do a lot, you know, come on now, you must not really uh, care that much. Right. So um, you know, so I put a, I put together a pitch, and I, I wanted these guys to. Um, you know, I, I basically said, even though I'm not worth a crazy amount of money, I, I could, you know, invest like two million into this league. You know, even though that's nothing, that's nothing at all these days. Um, that just shows my dedication. I never got a response back, but I'm watching proudly, and I do believe that if they don't clean up some things, that will happen. I think it's in the works already. Somewhere, someone in a high place is working on the new league, working on a new college facility. You know, I mean, not a new college, a new NCAA. You know, um, it's just, it has to be done because it's it's history. You know, it's innovation always wins. Now, who says that, you know, college, the NCAA or the NBA doesn't uphold their standards but they're going to have to innovate for sure. And, and that's why I love it. I love, um, you know, these happenings. I love the protests. I, I like when freaking, um, you know, uh, reporters speak out on, you know, what's going on. And not to say that I like to uh, induce panic, but I do believe there are a lot of scenarios where people need to understand that everything isn't safe. <laughs> You know everything isn't great. I'm not a con- I'm not a big, just full on conspiracy theorist at all. I just studied history, and I don't consider America any different from Rome or Africa when they reigned. You know China and you know Europe, England when they were on top. You know it's it's no difference, man. You can learn stuff from all of these people, and it just amazes me to see this happening again. Everything happening again like history is repeating itself it's 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 insane i i um i'm just a freaking you know sponge these days to just reading and writing that's what i spend most of my time doing as you can tell i've kind of got nerdy from my old days of you know partying and <laughs> and being around you know a bunch of you know club scenes and, and artists and stuff you know it's definitely a lot happier on the side of studying and learning and, and, you know, just growing internally to where you just see it externally, but I'm just growing internally. I hope that makes sense. 
So that moves me nicely then, and I'm going to briefly touch upon this. Why did you go from being an omnivore to becoming a vegan? Yeah, um, that is a beautiful question that uh, it kind of started in my spiritual journey, you know, like three years ago, and I just never could do it. You know, I would do it for like a month where I would just, you know, eat uh, veggies and smoothies. And um, so I went out to China and this is when it really picked up. I don't know if you heard about the COVID-19 and the wet markets and all the the stuff they're eating out there. Oh my goodness. That freaking just, that got me right there. I, so I became vegan in um, November when I saw, you know, Chinese people, um, when I, when the virus took off, but I recalled, I mean, bats and turtle blood and whale fins and snake tail. I mean, frog leg. I mean, it's, it's Frog legs is probably on the lighter side. I'm talking as bad as it gets, man. It's like freaking fish eyes. Like, I'm serious. I've seen my own teammates eating this like it was dessert. And um, I kind of, you know, did my thing, man. I, I uh, went and researched some stuff. You know, I don't know if you saw this documentary called What What the Hell? No, I haven't seen that now. Okay, so it kind of goes in details about um, – corporations and, and how they're using and how they come about, you know, and how um, how their products are made. Not only that, they're, they're talking about these top brands. I mean, McDonald's, you know, to the pharmaceutical world. I mean, it was like, you know, I used to take Tylenols and now I can't even trust, you know, the thing that's taking my pain away, the one thing I could trust, you know? So, um, you know, and, since that kind of helped me start a CBD company. But um, in short, man, I saw some pretty gross stuff and I decided and kind of connected the dot that I'm not going to be a blood eater anymore. <laughs> you know, that's as simple as put, you know, you see those vampire movies, the uh, Vladic, Vladican or, um, you know, you hear about people in high places doing like spirit cooking or they drink older people drink younger people blood or some shit, you know, I don't know. Um, you know, like I said, it's just a crazy world, but in short, that's not going to be me. <laughs> you know, I, I don't see the benefit of, um, killing, you know, I started seeing the animal alive on, on my plate, <laughs> you know, and, you know, I also to go along with that COVID broke out and I feel like a lot of it had to do with some of those, turtles and bats that I saw get eaten <laughs> in my face. And not only that, you know, just to give you a quick story on China, when they eat out at restaurants, they don't get their own plate. They do a buffet style. So each person has their utensil where they can pick out, put it on their plate, slide it to the next person. But the same utensil is the one that they eat with as well. So they, yeah, it's like a thousand people have shared the same meal. I've seen it all down there, man. This this type of stuff makes you really, really think. And this was all happening before COVID. So when that broke out, I was there, you know, and I just, I, I've been a vegan vegetarian ever since, man. <laughs> but was uh, it not, was it not difficult being a vegan in China then? Mm, 
Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was very difficult. It was like noodles and like French fries every day. <laughs> and that was that was my life, man. And I actually lost weight. I, I went I did start the smoothie thing. So um, you know, ginger, kale, turmeric. I really started researching. I didn't know there were like there are hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands that America may not know about of just medicinal herbs. I didn't know about this. So um I I started replacing meals with just smoothies, just green smoothies, practice to where it became, and I was trending in China a few times, just there goes Darnell and his big smoothie. I had a smoothie like this big that I ate like twice a day. And you know, I walked through the mall with it, practice with it before games. You know, I had, it was, you know, it became my trademark. And, you know, I, I can just say that, um, it's a missing art, I would say, you know, now that even some of these herbs are in pharmaceutical medicine, they don't get their credit because you can call it contafinol or something, you know, but it's really turmeric, ginger and this and that, then they may throw them on their own special sauce. But, you know, I've also done that research to learn that, you know, let me just get to the source. And a lot of these pharmaceutical medicine. A lot of these pharmaceutical medicines that come, you know, and help people come from under the ground. That's spiritual, right? So if a man is taking something from under the ground, that's medicine and putting his own twist on it, that's causing side effects and killing people. That's enough. If you're, if you care, that's enough for you to want to jump in that business, right? That's why I started Stoke Superfoods. You know, I have two, my, my grandpa died of lung cancer. My grandma, um, I don't know how she's making it alive. She's had diabetes. She's been in a wheelchair, maybe a hundred surgeries since I've been little. Seriously. Like a stroke like 30 times. Everyone she knew growing up in her like rehab facilities are all dead. And it's all because she with you know, she couldn't stop drinking Coca-Cola. She couldn't, you know, stop drinking, you know, every now and then, you know, she, I don't know how much she drunk, but, you know, it was liquor. And these type of things, I don't have, you know, for that reason, I don't feel like I have grandparents. So for that reason, I feel like it's my job to make sure the next generation understands how bad this shit can get, you know? And that's why I started business to kind of give me an excuse to give awareness. It's not about money at all. I just need people to, okay, if they hear just coming from Jarnell, then it may not be the same, but okay, this guy owns a superfoods business that, you know, got ranked and, you know, had an article on USA Weekly. It's worth listening, you know, and, and I, you know, that's that transformation from athlete to business owner that I'm now, you know, feeling that people listen to me now. No, that's all I ever wanted was the people who need to listen to listen and the people who want to be entertained, you know, let, let's entertain you when that time comes. But do you think you got to like, educate yourself even more? Because what you told me off air before we started recording with ultimately you had to recheck your, your, your dietary needs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I did <laughs> just have an issue with the vegetarian process, and that just shows you that the um, the learning process is ongoing; it's everlasting. 
uh, you can rebuttal a thought before. I've been feeling dizzy these past like two months. You know, I get up and um, just a bunch of, um, I don't know if it's blood or I don't know what it is, but my brain just kind of, you know, feels a bit foggy. I don't know exactly. So I've, you know, just recently tried B12 and B6 and all these vitamin B uh, omegas. And, you know, I've found some research that led me to believe that that feeling comes from vegans who've uh, not had an efficient amount of vitamin B as well as omegas and, you know, brain um, foods that you would get from animals. So, um, you know, I've kind of, you know, eaten some chicken here or there, <laughs> but I hate it. You know, I freaking hate it, man. I really do. Um, so I try to make it like once a week. I have not felt that change, you know, as far as that dizzy feeling. So um, I do remember when it first happened, I felt like I was, you know, on the brink of, you know, low blood pressure, which is, you know, something that I would call my doctor and he'd tell me, oh man, you're on your way towards a stroke. And then as I do more research, I learned that, you know, a lot of vegans and vegetarians have this issue due to, you know, the lack of, you know, what they will find in animal products. And um, I guess we should circle back and see how that process goes. You know, I'm still in the middle of it, uh, but hoping to find the cure. I'm, I'm not stressed or I don't feel any type of, um, you know, I don't feel like a stroke is on the horizon. I actually feel pretty healthy. So um, I'm hoping it's the vegetarian diet. But, yeah, man, let's circle back and, and see how that goes. Absolutely. But do you think that's something that people, when they, they look to change their diet, they don't they don't look to read up on all, all this information? I, I know it's not a trend anymore. It's It's in its own right. It's become part of the topic of are you an omnivore are you vegetarian are you vegan it's it's ultimately yes there was backlash between meat eaters and vegans and there will probably always will be but do you think people need to do more research to how is how much of an impact it's going to have on their individual state yeah and and how how do you research though you know like we have a curriculum out there that's, that's pretty set so you know, you get insurance through this curriculum. If you do take some research, it's not FDA certified, you know, so you may end up very well paying for it yourself in which you really needed to work then, right? <laughs> so I I would say, um, you know, in order to find out yourself, you have to kind of test and feel. I knew right away from, you know, drinking all those smoothies that, man, I, this, this, this stuff works. Like my gut is, I'm feeling the cleanse. I'm feeling my lungs. My brain is sharper. I'm sleeping better. It was instant, you know? Um, you know, then there's also those instant pharmaceuticals and, you know, in order to do the research there, you have to be a bit, um, skeptical. I would say like, how do you not trust someone in a white coat that, has had 15 years of education, you know, and knowing that you may not have had any and you don't know any of this stuff. You just want to be helped. I would say a lot of it just comes down to 
spirituality, man. If I'm being 100% honest, a lot of the stuff that I found that was truths and you know, eye-opening and life-changing came from me just having a good place in heart, you know, wanting to do good for people, wanting the next generation not to suffer from what my grandparents, what I still watched them go through, going to funerals and, you know, seeing strokes live. It, it really just became my job to research, not only for myself, but for the next gen. I'm like, this stops here and now in this Stokes family, you know, and uh, just in, you know, the this generation period, I, I consider all of us family, forget about the name, you know, um, I hope that the answer is that I really do feel like a lot of people uh, depend on doctors because they don't have faith that there is a truth. And in order to have faith, you have to, you know, be grounded in a good place. I really do. And you have to be able to identify like um, this waitress is on the same level as this doctor. And I will listen to both for advice. How about that? And those are the people that normally figure these things out. You know, people who are grounded and can um, understand that it's all about the best product. You know, forget about previous ideologies. Everything that I said in this podcast two months from now may change (laughs) because I may find something else. And I'm open to that. I think we need a lot more open-minded people. That would solve a lot of stuff. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, as you and I could probably talk for hours, uh, yeah. <laughs> what I will do now is I'll, I will ask you my penultimate question I'd like to ask everybody else is okay. if you had to sit down with any athlete, dead or alive, mm-hmm. who would that mm-hmm. be and why? Mm-hmm. I would say, wow, that is a great question because I um, – I have to say Jackie Robinson, to be honest. Like, I I couldn't imagine. <laughs> it's hard for me, like, to this day. Um, I, I run outside every day. You know, I'm a, I'm a sprinter. I'm a runner. But what happened with um, – what's his name? I'll, I'll, what's, his, what's the guy who just died in Georgia? He got – blew up. Aubrey. Ahmaud Aubrey. Um, he was a sprinter who got killed. That shook me. I hadn't ran outside in like a month. How in the hell did he do what he did? You know, seriously, like just the psychology of having fans yelling at you and, and, you know, having teammates who may not have liked you and to always be in a situation where you don't know what tomorrow will look like. He must've been a very, very, very deep person. Seriously. I can't not imagine being in his shoes and, and just step aside from race. Um, you know, at this time, a lot of black people internally didn't believe that they were better than taught to believe that we were at the bottom and that, you know, there, there needs to be a separation and for him to just do what he did for the next gen, you know, even though he's not here, I think, he will be, um, you know, one of those people that, you know, um, <clears throat> forget about on earth. I think his life will be blessed forever, you know, just for what he was able to sacrifice for so many others. 
I couldn't do what he did. <laughs> Honestly, it's, it's, you know, you, you see a gist of it now, you know, being in this generation, um, we do have the tendency to be a little bit more outgoing, um, you know, out there when it comes to expressing ourselves. Um, but that generation, if they expressed, if they did what we did to this day, it was as simple as, you know, we may just hang you like right away. It's like right away. Or we, you know, I, I know um, some white um, friends who have dads who were racist and they have diaries. And, you know, I've heard stories about, you know, these dads setting men up. Like I'm, I'm in situations where I'm surrounded by white people in hotel rooms. And, you know, he could have easily got set up with, a situation where, you know, they could have said this, he tried to do something with this girl. I mean, that's what happened to, um, you know, uh, what's his name? Um, Nat, Nat Turner. You know, that's, you know, just different things like uh, seeing him um, overcome and not fear death is just freaking profound to me. And that's where I'm trying to get, you know, to a point where, I don't fear any persecution or death because my father, you know, rules this earth. And um, when I can build a strength like that, I, I'll say I'm ready, you know. So that would be – our conversations would be deep. He would love to have been in my shoes during those protests. You know, I was protesting out in Denver, and, you know, I had my mask, my riot gear. Not my riot gear, my uh, signs. And, you know, I was even chased by cops, you know, so I had a gist of what it felt like in the past. But, you know, he, he they couldn't even do that. <laughs> if they did that, it was like, uh, you know, we just beat your ass or he would have just a job. Goodbye, Jackie. No more Jackie, you know. So um, but that would be a great conversation, man. What an awesome question and a great interview. If you like this episode, please do share it with your friends and do let Janelle and I know what you thought of the episode by tagging us over on Instagram at Janelle Stokes. So that's J-A-R-N-E-L-L-S-T-O-K-E-S. And as always, James O. Roberts 11. And again, I'll spell that out for you. That's J-A-M-E-S, the letter O, R-O-B. E-R-T-S and the number 11 and again you can do the same on Twitter and Facebook and in addition if you had any follow-up questions don't hesitate to shoot them over as well and finally don't forget to check out Jarnell's website stokessuperfoods.com and as always don't forget to check out my free content at fitamputee.co.uk and click on the tab resources but not forgetting, I've also started a new Facebook group, especially for the podcast, which you can find by typing in The Mindset Athlete. All the links will be in the description. You can find all the show notes at mindsetgame.lipson.com under the category General. So once again, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next week for another episode of The Mindset Athlete Podcast.